You're listening to Virgin Control, Pound and Grain's digital news show. Ten years ago, the terms YouTuber, Instagrammer, and Snapchat content creator didn't exist. Today, these are official job titles for some people, and social media is how they make a living. Influencers are everywhere, across all social media channels, and they're gaining popularity. With hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions, of captive viewers and followers, influencers can reach specific audiences in ways that brands alone are unable to. Watch any popular YouTube channel or browse any Instagram account with a large following, and you'll find a plethora of brand deals and sponsored content, most likely disguised as monthly favorites videos or a neatly organized flat lay post that suspiciously features 10 items all with the same logo. 86% of marketers used influencer marketing in 2016, and 94% of marketers found influencer marketing to be effective. So why are influencers such a big deal? This is probably due to the win-win-win outcome for influencers, brands, and audiences. Influencers get to create what they want while making a hefty income. Brands are reaching customers that are increasingly tough to engage with. And rather than bombarding audiences with disruptive ads, influencers are reaching them in more authentic and subtle ways. Although there are plenty of established A-list celebrities who are active on social media and have a large online audience, Influencers who've made it big by building their fame from the internet are the ones to pay attention to. Names like Lily Singh, Kayla Itzinas, Zoe Sugg, aka Zoella, and Felix Shelberg, better known as PewDiePie, are the people brands are especially interested in. Creators who have a large following with dedicated viewers. Audiences respond well to these kinds of influencers too. Rather than big Hollywood celebrities who most people can't relate to, Social media influencers offer an intimate look into their lives, creating more meaningful connections with their followers and developing a sense of trust. According to Nielsen, 90% of customers trust peer recommendations and 70% trust customer reviews, while only 33% trust ads. Audiences trust who they follow. So if an influencer likes a brand or uses a specific product, chances are their followers will too. Forbes keeps up with the latest social media stars in their quarterly list of top influencers, calling them the power players who've turned social media platforms into fortunes and empires. And that is exactly what these people have done. According to Forbes, sponsored Instagram posts make about $300, while Instagrammers with a major following can make upwards of $5,000 for a post made in partnership with a company or brand. Big YouTubers, with 7 million subscribers or more, can command $300,000 for a video partnership, and these are just averages. Then there are micro-influencers. As follower counts increase, like and comment rates decrease. So influencers with not too big of a following initiate a higher rate of interaction. The sweet spot is between 10,000 and 100,000 followers. Not too big, not too small, just right. These Instagram accounts tend to focus on something specific, drawing in a specific audience, perfect for specific brands and niche markets. It makes a ton of sense for brands to use influencers too. Times are changing and audiences are becoming increasingly more difficult to reach. According to the Interactive Advertising Bureau, nearly 50% of online consumers aged 18 to 24 use ad blockers. Brands are desperate for innovative ways to reach these targets. 
How do you capture the attention of somebody who doesn't watch TV, doesn't listen to the radio, skips through commercials online, and blocks ads on the web? You find out who your target watches or follows, give that influencer your product, sit back and watch the magic unfold. Brands can easily get their product in front of the eyes of large audiences. But what happens when influencer marketing goes wrong? Many influencers have been criticized for not clearly stating which of their content is sponsored or branded and not complying with the FTC's guidelines, while others have lost brand deals due to posting content that doesn't align with the company's views or standards, sending a backlash at brands from consumers who are disappointed in the representatives they've chosen. The social and digital influencer market space is still fairly new. Although exciting and full of potential, it doesn't come without faults and requires a delicate balance to be maintained. Version Control presents The Complex World of Social Influencers. Welcome back to Version Control. Uh, I am Scott Liu from Pound and Grain, and this is my first time doing the introduction, so bear with me. Um, we're going to go clockwise, and we have a very special guest joining us today. Please say hello, Mr. Sandy Fletcher. You want me to say hello, or people say hello to me? <laughs> oh, see, there, I screwed it up already. Hello, Sandy. Hello. Hi, Sandy. Hey, Get closer to the microphone, Sandy. It's, uh, it's great to be the special guest here today. It feels, feels good to be here again. It's, Hi guys! It's very crammed in the uh, podcast studio because you're here. We're we're happy to have you though. Up close and personal edition. Yes. And uh, next to Sandy is Jackson Murphy. Thanks, Scott. I'm happy to be here. And next to Jackson, as always, Nick Kewen. Hello, guys. And design director, director of design, <laughs> Mark Cameron. Hey, Scott. How's it going? <laughs> good. Good. How, so how did you? Is that all right? That was great. That was great. Way better than Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Dethroning you. Perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. All right. So what are you talking about today? The topic du jour is uh, social influencers. Sweet. Good or bad. Awesome not. Cool. The next big thing. Fading glory. It's <laughs> a lot of options there. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel it's all of those things, actually. I mean, not to t totally fence it. You're going to have to just pick one. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. Um, I'm going to say they're pretty cool, and mainly just because like, that, that's kind of the format of, of what an influencer is, is somebody who is cool, somebody you follow, and somebody who does something that you are influenced by. And then you know, from a, from a marketing standpoint, like, why not get your product or service in front of those who want to see it, who are kind of part of that brand experience? So I have nothing against it uh, on the, like... I have nothing against it when it works really well. <laughs> Let's just say that. So what's the model for success? Uh, know your audience, I think, is like the, the most important thing for influencers. Like there's no really no sense in like if you're like, you know, Scott Paper Towels and you're going to get like some gangster rapper to be your influencer, it just doesn't match up. So you unless oh, you maybe. should be like, because your name's Scott, you should be the Scott Paper Towels also, influencer. Why do you like, think they should just have Scotts do all of their uh, like micro influencing? Well, I, another wrinkle on that is collectively through all of my social media channels, I've got seven followers though, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's about you know the upside, the potential. <laughs> why do you think gangsters don't use paper towels? 
Yeah, what do they use? I, they just yeah, like man. soak up spills with their guns. <laughs> wow, it's not very effective. I, that was a bad example, <laughs> but there is something to be said about really understanding like who who you're talking to and like putting your product or your service in the right influencers' hands uh, and letting them do stuff with it. I think it's just the the costs. So I came prepared. I just cite some sources here. Citing of sources from the Telegraph had a uh, annoying uh, slideshow type article of top Instagram influencers and what they get paid by brands. So I will just mm-hmm. share a few, and we'll link this in our write up on poundandgrain.com, which is our website at Song of Style, a song uh, a style influencer with 4.6 million followers, which is uh, 4.6 million more than Scott has, <laughs> uh, gets about $9,000 per post from brands. I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> uh, a delightfully charming fellow who made his claim to fame in Vine, rest in peace, uh, Nash Greer. I know that guy. 10.2 million followers. Poland Bank of 13K wow. per post. Per post? Per yeah. post. For brands. You want to reach 10 million people, 13K gets you in. Like, is that, I mean, is that crazy? I'm, I'm going to do one more because this was the top one. A beauty um, lifestyle um, in, influencer, Huda Beauty, at Huda, Huda Beauty. 20.8 million followers. I just got the name, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they deserve it. <laughs> 20.8 million followers, 18K per post. I think now, so if you're like Sephora. Yeah, then that makes and, sense. And like you need to get in front of 20 million people, is 18K a problem? Well, well that's just it. I, I think for the reach you're getting... It seems like there's a lot of value to to those dollars. I mean, for for me, the 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 downside is more about the potential risks as opposed to the the fact that you're not going to reach people. Yeah, yeah. And at what point, like, I mean, we've we've worked with influencers before in our business, and it's always different the amount of control that the brand has over whatever the influencer is is posting. Sometimes it's really easy to work with them because then you just kind of give them some loose directions and they go and they create something cool and then sometimes they go real rogue and it's weird and, and then that's 18 grand flushed down the toilet because like it's just like we're not going to use this well and I, I think it's 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 more than even wasting money it's potentially getting a brand in an awkward situation and uh, you know especially when you consider that a lot of these influencers are a bit uh, rough around the edges uh, to put it kindly and and and, and youthful um, you know, I won't mention any names, and in fact, maybe I'll change all the details of this anecdote so it's not actually something that happened Whoa. to us. Hot but take. It's, but, but, but very similar to something that Do happened you need to, to like, us. need to, mask your voice. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we can do that in post. Yeah, yeah um, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I think... So 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 yeah, like I said, the the, the names and the facts have been changed to pot- protect the not so innocent. But you know, imagine an influencer uh, representing uh, I don't know an autom- a, 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 the automotive category, and and then uh, at the same time, based on 
they're uh, totally fair, evolving uh, uh, personality. They decide that um, they want to start uh, protesting uh, the use of oil and fossil fuels. Like clearly, those two are at odds. And uh, I think situations like that uh, can and do happen. Speaking uh, firsthand about it, that is that is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you like how I change things up though? I'm still trying to think if I know what, what you're talking about, but yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like it's hard to keep up if it's just like a solo person and they've got 10 million followers, and like one day they're all like, "Yeah, I'm not into fossil fuels," but they took a bunch of BMWs money. Yeah, like three exactly. months before, mm-hmm. that's problematic. So then you become not, uh, you, you cease to become an individual, and you're a brand unto itself, and you have to to play by those rules that like, because mm-hmm. you will become untrustworthy. But that, could, couldn't you very quickly distance yourself from an influencer though as well? It doesn't mean that they're tied to your company intrinsically. You could just walk away from them completely. Yeah, sure. You just need to be vigilant, and uh, you know yeah. it's it, it's. I think where it gets tricky is if you're talking about micro-influencers and you've got, and I, I don't know if there's a, a formal definition of a micro-influencer, but you know, I tend to think of it as someone with maybe 100,000 followers or less in a very niche area. I would think a micro-influencer is seven, actually, <laughs> and their name's Scott. Sitting right here. If you guys had listened to my intro, just, 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 just joking. 10,000 to 100,000. Yeah. I felt that intuitively, yeah. right? Yeah. So so in that case, you could be working with, with scores of influencers and then you'd need to keep on top uh, of all that. And I, You know, another really interesting risk, and this is one that played out pretty recently, was um, whether it's an influencer or a spokesperson, um, you have to think about, you know, one hand, it's like, cutting them loose if you diverge in terms of points of view but on the other hand if it's someone you're really relying on you want to be able to potentially lock them in I mean if you look what happened now this is more an ad world rather than influencer world but you had the can you hear me now guy with Verizon for a decade and and now he's in sprint commercials like total burn on Verizon but I think that kind of brings <laughs> up an interesting point in talking about like the individual, right? I mean, you, you mentioned it before about how much money you can make as an influencer. I mean, I think that's the other end of this coin too, right? Or the other side of this coin is that like it is a full profession now to be a, a social media influencer, whether it's, you know, pushing products or it's or it's providing content for brands. Like this is a this is a full-on career now and people are aspiring to be like actual influencers now. It doesn't just kind of happen to them anymore. It's a job. Mm-hmm. Like I'm wondering like at what point are they going to have like university courses that is like how to be an influencer and things like that because it's a full on profession. I mean I don't think anybody in this room makes that kind of money. Maybe Sandy. Right. <laughs> Definitely Sandy. <laughs> fat cat. <laughs> but like uh, to what degree, right? Did does somebody extend themselves or like or or decide to put themselves out there to be an influencer. Like there's, you always hear those stories about people doing crazy things just to get more followers and stuff like that, right? They had like uh, that movie with um, with James Franco's little brother and, and Emma Robert Nerve. It was kind of all about that, where it's like they, they do stunts around yeah. the city to gain followers. Um, 
like I was reading earlier this week, there's like a girl that literally shot her boyfriend through a phone book and he died mm-hmm. um, just so they could get more YouTube followers. I mean, the reason <laughs> would have and, been better if she lived in a bigger city, maybe with mm-hmm. yeah. more, a thicker phone book. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, too soon, coming too in, soon. Sandy coming <laughs> in with the rim the shot. The punchline wasn't implicit in that one. But it's the whole like thing of the s- social influencer death by s- small phone book. That is a hilarious punchline <laughs> to your whole existence. But I, 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 Scott, I think you, if the logical conclusion is that it's a profession and then that's what people are doing, wh- what is it about them other than that they're popular, that they're influential? So, like, is it like a circular argument of like I get popular then I'm influential and and then don't you cease to be influential or popular because you stand for nothing but $18,000 a post <laughs> right <laughs> which sounds gross awesome yeah but it it does seem like it has like a uh not a long time shelf life before yeah. it ceases to be like I'm that like yeah. you have to be Something or someone who monetizes uh, yeah. it, like transcends the fact that they have millions of followers and then starts doing something with it beyond just selling their Instagram posts. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Because um, then, because I think you do, then start to go like, why? Why am I shilling for all these brands? Like it doesn't. I mean, the money is great. <laughs> yeah, but it's probably empty inside. I agree. Of your Instagram life for your. <laughs> taking thousands of selfies a day. Which is why I'm comfortable at sevens. <laughs> <laughs> Your fans are loyal. And they but let me let me ask you this then. I mean, we, we work with Sean. Um, Sean is trying to side hustle oh, his his Satchmo, his his Basset Hound, to be a pet fluencer, which is... Shout out to, to, shout Satch- to Sean. Satchmo. Yeah. 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 And Sean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hyper growth category uh, within a hyper growth uh, industry. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, your your cat has no social influence yet. Yeah, I just I have yet to set up the uh, appropriate channels. But <laughs> well, you missed the kitten years. I'm building, <laughs> I'm building demand. Yeah. So so what's what's uh, Satchmo's long term uh, game plan here? We he, don't know. He, he wants mean, pet stores to reach out to him, and I like uh, in in conversations with Sean, uh, he has. Let us know that there there are pet fluencers that they're kind of modeling the the Satchmo verse around. Shout um, out to Dean, Dean the Bassett. Yeah, yeah well, I sent that because a couple of weeks Dean was in like a Best Buy campaign. The post was for like tech related to your pet and great integration, but like you got to get Satchmo has to get to Dean level. Yeah, yeah. Um, places something like one hundred fifty thousand followers off. Well, it was yeah. it was great finding that. Agency that only reps pet fluencers. Yes, is that the word? Pet yeah. fluencers. I just made that up. But I yeah. like it. It's catchy. <laughs> Why wasn't that just the topic? Of this? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Eventually, we were going to get here. Like, <laughs> we, I knew that. In, in preparation of this version control, I uh, I logged into Clout. I don't know. Do you guys remember oh, wow. Clout? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Clout? It still exists. And uh, well, I'm proud to say that I have a uh, my 90 day high of 52 <laughs> Clout score. I don't know. Maybe that's good. So uh, I think that's a free water bottle. Right anyone there. out there listening, just contact me directly. <laughs> but what what I thought was interesting is they try to parse my social media to determine what I'm an expert in to help me in my micro influencing. And I thought I thought it was pretty interesting. So I'm just gonna 
going to go through that. Um, the live clouding on yeah. the version yeah. control for the first <laughs> I, time I think ever. so. So they, they, according to their algorithms and parsing, I'm an expert in advertising, digital media. Okay, buy that. Uh, British Columbia, sure, I live there. Uh, mobile phones, I have one. Uh, here, here's where it gets a bit uh, tenuous. Uh, currency trading. Hmm, I, I have no clue why they've made that decision. It means one you bought things before. Uh, one Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can name about 30 currencies. Uh, but then here's here's the, the one that really confused me, was I'm an expert in Kit Kats. <laughs> I, that's amazing. I, I, I would I take would, that to the top of the list. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to be a Kit Kat influencer? Holy crap. But very I, niche. I don't eat uh, candy bars. Obviously, you just called it a candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that is that is that in 1930s uh, lingo? <laughs> Honey whistles and moon pies. <laughs> hey guys, let's let's 23 skidoo. <laughs> that is amazing. But they, but for you, Scott, like he, uh, if Sandy's uh, an influencer, Kit Kat uh, pioneer. Where's your like you know you're the chief snack officer? I, I as as a, as a, as a CSO though, uh, <laughs> the CSO. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily need to influence. I I'm willing to be influenced though. I feel like that's they should be reaching me. So Sandy, as the Kit Kat influencer, I should be following you. Is what we're saying. Well, it is crunchy on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Candy bar. <laughs> I think like I just I mean we talk about it quite a bit because there's these clusters of influencers whether it's food ones or um, like Game of Thrones ones or bro sports humor ones um, it's it's hard to keep up, keep to get in that game because there's so many of them already so like how how could you how can you become one now in such a crowded market? How do you stand out as an influencer? That, that's what I was just thinking about too because everyone talks about how much money they make and um, everyone sort of seems resentful about that because the, the general idea is that it's really easy. You know, it's just posting on social media. How hard is that? And yet it is incredibly difficult to actually become one of these people and to do it well. So, yeah, I don't know that either. I think actually probably it is just to be very niche and stick to that. Yeah, I think so. For sure. Carve it out. Don't deviate. Stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, that's, and that's kind of where it came from, I think, too, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, it does kind of, it is kind of born out of word of mouth, right? It's like, well, I follow this person who I trust their opinion, and if they're, if they have, if they think highly of something, then I'm going to consider it. I mean, that's sort of the, kind of the simple psychology behind it. Mm -hmm. And the more niche that that audience is or that, that group is, I feel like the more trust you can gain. Totally. I was just introduced to the world of preppers. You ever heard of those people? Uh, like doomsday preppers? Yeah. Obviously, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't watch the uh, National Geographic or History Channel show, uh, Doomsday Preppers? I actually didn't, but I just saw some YouTube channels that all have like 8 million views, of course. You know, I don't. I didn't know these people existed. They're like celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you got to have your like uh, your bug out places all over the place, and your canned uh, store of uh, chicken and uh, vegetables for uh, when things go sideways. And these guys are they're, teaching they're you how to do it for end of times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
and you got to have your bug out room and your bug out bag <laughs> and like your multiple <laughs> exits. Yeah. I mean, like you could go down a it's wormhole. It's Jackson it's obviously amazing. has one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, no, I. <laughs> it's full, under the office. Full disclosure. If I, now that I live in Toronto, I don't worry about it as much. But now when I lived in Vancouver, I was always the the guy that was just like, "Oh yeah, there's that like tiny like 4.0 earthquake. The big one will come to Vancouver, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, I should get that like emergency kit for the apartment and some like backup water, and then I'd be like." I'm just going to get some like Diet Cokes from the Save on Food downstairs and never do anything about it. Here, I don't have that at all, or I don't feel that need because it doesn't seem like. Well, you, I mean. There was that tornado warning a couple of weeks ago. In some sort of like disaster event in Toronto, we'd just be trapped here, anyways. I mean, you can't even get out of this city at Russia. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> but, but Nick, that's screwed. where you can yeah. become the influencer. You could be like. How to burrow the Toronto out. apocalypse, and then and then you could be teaching people how to yeah how to burrow through the city and how survive. To, how to swim to Buffalo? <laughs> yes. I don't know how you did it, Nick, but you turned the uh, version control episode about influencers <laughs> into a nightmare scenario of doomsday prepping. And so, like, are they on Instagram, like, offering up tips and tricks, and do they have sponsors? You know like, what? I haven't gone. They definitely have sponsors it's for their various tools and whatnot. Um, but I haven't delved that deep into them. I was actually just surprised that this whole world of preppers and the, the huge influence that they had existed without me knowing it. It was just flying under the radar for me, but I assume there's lots of just little, you know, uh, you know, things like mm-hmm. that that you can find that are just like the, most people have never heard of it, and yet it has a huge following. I feel like the as a, as a prepper... Yeah. The last thing you'd want to do would be to alert people of all the things you're prepping and uh, your movements. Because well, then when it's not the that stuff goes, is it? you go sideways, then I'm going to be like looking up. And on those that last 45 seconds of internet, I'm going to be like, yeah. where's the closest prepper? And then I'm <laughs> going to track him down and steal all his canned chicken. I think they also keep their cards close to their chest. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Then why I mean, put it on the internet? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we, we should offer, maybe, I don't know, it could be on like a flash drive, like the full canon of version controls for someone to put in their survival kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, educate the, the population moving forward. Yeah. So it yeah. just yeah. makes sense. Season three of the, <laughs> the full run of version control. And 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 gummy bears on DVD for Jackson. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great show. Gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. High invention that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Welcome back to Digital Picks. That's yeah, not how we that's do not, it. Yeah, yeah, what right. are you doing? Yeah, one, we'll two, three, digital, digital picks. Sandy, you didn't sing, <laughs> sing the intro. Now you have to do one on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, wow, that was embarrassing. We need a solo. <laughs> yeah. uh, digital picks, still second for second, our favorite part of the podcast. Um, so we've got five smart digital marketing humans in the room with five interesting Digital picks. <laughs> you want to lead us off, Sandy, or you are you need you some cram time? You read my eyes. Um, my digital pick is a new app. Uh, it is a Mac desktop app called Muzzle. 
And what it does is it detects if you're on screen sharing mode um, and then it shuts off all your various notifications. Um, and I, I, I am not sure if it does, but if not, it should also uh, do that when you go into presentation mode because I think, you know, both of those things can be can be pretty awkward. And I, I actually really like their their marketing campaign. Uh, well, I, campaign is a strong word, but in the example, and I'll, I'll this is a family friendly podcast. Yes, sir. Okay, so um, okay, I'll skip we that one. We can, yeah. we can bleep, so though. so yeah. in in uh, in this, it shows someone sharing their screen, and all these notifications are popping up to. Uh, take their STD tests to uh, attend their therapy appointment. Uh, Tommy, the dealer, texts them saying he's got some new product. Uh, job interview comes up. You know, the notification center is a confusing place, and it's kind of cumbersome to go turn everything off. So I think that makes a lot of sense when you go into client presentation mode uh, to turn off all those embarrassing notifications. I can't wait to text you the next time that we have a presentation. Yeah, <laughs> I've been doing it the whole time. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's very good. smart. It's never I've never had anything super embarrassing happen, but like I am very conscious of it. Like if we're gonna go into screen sharing mode or presentation mode, I just like turn off everything. everything yeah. Like just kill the Wi Fi. Yeah. Kill the Wi Fi. Get in an incognito browser. Yeah. Just nothing left the chance. Exactly. What do you have to hide? Scott started panicking. Yeah. <laughs> Who, me? What Why? do you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Good work, Sandy. I try. <laughs> Are we gonna go in or around counterclockwise? Counterclockwise, sure. or am I next? I'll go next. Okay. We, I like ending with with Jackson. Go by height. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm confused. <laughs> Vertical leap. Obviously, we're going up. Feats of strength. So my digital pick this week uh, isn't really a specific link, um, but uh, I know that I noticed that Snapchat's uh, sort of been not doing so well in the business world, and uh, it's been quite publicized. But to be honest, who cares? They dropped the dancing hot dog, <laughs> and the dancing hot dog has really kind of taken over uh, a lot of social media feeds in term, and and not just because it's cute and it's fun, but it's it's actually quite timely. It's it's this sort of AR. Dancing hot dog for National Hot Dog Day. I'm not saying that Snap is like saving their business with this or anything, but close, man, close. That, that yeah. thing is awesome. Like, I, <laughs> I it's, don't. It's cool. It's, it is really cool. Like, and I don't know what it's for, and I don't really care. But I think that is exactly what Snap is for. How was that the the thing that they went with? I I don't know. Like just like I would love to know the process. Like, the first rollout of this this kind of thing is dancing hot dog yeah that was the thought process there or they had a bunch of other ones that are just ready to go and they were just like the hot dog one's amazing and this one first, but they have i mean I, I was thinking i was telling you earlier this week is like i saw a great meme where it was like somebody did like a boardroom guy going snap you've lost x amount of dollars or this this quarter what are you gonna do to bounce back and then snap just claps back and shows them the hot dog <laughs> and it's kind of perfect right because it's it is pretty freaking cool but it's not solving any problems for them necessarily. It could. It could and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, no. it's not. It's not an Oscar Mayer hot dog. I have faith. Like, <laughs> yeah, they didn't sell it to a brand. No, but maybe smart. maybe this maybe is a test future. case. Maybe they're just like, you know what? This is a test case because soon we're going to reach out to Sandy and sell them the dancing Kit Kat. I'm in. 
so, obviously. Dancing so that was that. That is my digital pick. Is it is an AR dancing hot dog, which I like kind it. of changed the world. Mine, mine is very similar to yours. Uh, big news: Apple has new emojis. I don't know if you guys have seen those yet, but there's a puking emoji now. So all those times that we call in sick, we can use that now. <laughs> uh, there's a woman <laughs> wearing all, all these times. <laughs> there's a woman wearing a hijab, which is really cool. Um, a woman breastfeeding, which is pretty cool. A man Mark. doing yoga. <laughs> is there actually? Yeah, yeah. It's all the politically correct stuff there's, going on here. There's also like a mind blown one too. Yeah, right? the mind blown one. Is there's this a, all like not to dredge on past episodes, but is this all for the emoji movie? They could be. I'm not too sure actually. Uh, it might be. Seems timely. hopefully hopefully they're all in it. But there's I a, actually saw a commercial for that last night, and I sadly laughed because well, T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller, yeah, is in it. And what is it? What, what Captain Picard is the poop. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I, he was on like Jimmy Kimmel or something. But what is T.J. Miller? He's like the. He's, he's something funny. Yeah. Some kind but it of was actually quite funny. So I've, I'm worried that I might actually enjoy the emoji movie. I you didn't think you would. It's why is there an emoji movie? I would have pegged you as a, as a fan from the start on that one. Really? Yeah. I'm dressing. You up don't know me at all, man. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, I do. I know you better than yourself, apparently. <laughs> I didn't send you any emojis this week at all. Not even mind blown. Not even mind blown. Do you think that it's possible to? I should just try this as an experiment. Just go an entire week without using any actual words. See if you can convey your meaning. Let's do it. Yeah, on Slack. Like a meditation retreat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <An> emoji retreat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott and Mark have ceased talking. <laughs> thumbs up emojis, and that's it. Yeah. And they're both doing the nerd face. <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. <laughs> that was good. So new new emojis. How like is is there like a this this question for Mark, and I know I said we were going to keep the digital picks short, but we're not obviously because that's not how version control <laughs> works. Do you do you think there's there's like a little army of like a design team doing these emojis, and is that like a career aspiration? Like you that would be a cool gig if you were just making the new emojis, or would that just be like the salt mines of the design world? I, I've thought about it. But I've never looked into it. Um, yeah. I feel like it would be fun for a month or two, but then like there's no way, like Maybe. doing it like all day every day for like years. Do you think an emoji designer would get along well with like a typeface designer, or would there? Well, it's kind of the same thing, sort of, right? It's like a language. Emojis are like wingdings. Yeah. But no, I don't yeah. think they'd get along. <laughs> <laughs> Tight wingdings. Type guy and an emoji designer <laughs> walk into a bar. Great reality TV. <laughs> that would that seem maybe that would be a great reality show of like make the it's like making the next emojis and like it's just like in the trenches and they they have like the worst creative director. Just, Lots of drama. Yeah. No one steal this idea. Yeah. <laughs> this is ours. HBO, hands off. <laughs> hands off, HBO. Okay, so mine is based on an article in The Verge, and it is about SoundCloud. Uh, on July 6th, it announced that it is laying off 173 employees, 40% of its workforce, and shut down offices in London and San Francisco. So the question is, 
Will SoundCloud survive? And what did it do wrong? And where do we host version control? <laughs> yeah, if it goes away. But did they give a reason as to why they let those people go? Yeah, uh, why they let those people go? Yeah, because the valuation is sinking. Uh. So, but what this article at least postulates is that SoundCloud has not taken care of the artists um, that were using it as a platform to get their music out in the first place, and then. Mergers with both Twitter and Spotify both fell apart when there was no clear way to monetize. What do they mean by didn't support the artists? Is like, because they don't, I mean, they well, never paid anybody. So. A subscription service did happen about two years ago, yeah. and uh, the artists were paid very poorly out of it. Mm. And also, what had happened uh, in 2012, SoundCloud introduced a feature called the repost, and artists that were on it abused it by reposting their own stuff over and over again so anybody who was using the service would see the same tracks constantly Uh, it became very frustrating do you know anybody who uses SoundCloud that felt slighted as an artist I everyone that I know that is a musician posts their stuff on SoundCloud but I don't think anyone expects really to get any traction from it is there an alternative Bandcamp yeah but I don't think, you know, nobody expects to get much out of Bandcamp either, right. really. But you can purchase albums from Bandcamp, You right? can purchase a full yeah. album, yeah, for download. But that's more like, I think anyone who purchases from da- um, Bandcamp does it out of altruism, really. I mean, you usually don't have to. Right. Or you can, um, yeah, I mean, like, no artist only posts, puts their, their album up on Bandcamp. They'll, they'll still have to put it on iMusic and Spotify. Right. And if, if you're posting a lot of stuff on SoundCloud, I think you need a pro account that you have to pay for. You do, yeah. And I bet you have to... Uh, and as an artist, you get paid when people listen to your stream. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you need a considerable amount of uh, listens before you're going to make more than what you're paying for your pro account. Yeah, I think it was like $20 a month for the pro account, so yeah. that's true. That 50,000 listens probably or more. Right, more. Right. That would that would eat into your revenue. Yeah. Where are we going to host this podcast? <laughs> this all goes belly up. Well, that that's the real question. What are we going to do? <laughs> we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah, we'll put a team on it. It'll be fun. My pick is a story, an older story, May thirtieth, I think. Harvard Business Review to class this joint up a little bit with ah. some uh, things, but I saw a headline that was. Well, I'll just read the headline, and it was. How Harley Davidson used artificial intelligence to increase New York sales um, leads by 2,930%. That's a lot of motorcycles. Yeah, well, I mean, it, well, it, I, presumably they were already selling some. It was a short little little article, but just interesting of a brand like Harley Davidson um, using AI to help them get their product to the right people. And so basically they were using... Uh, a marketing AI platform called Albert. And then what it does is basically take the creative um, and uh, Harley-Davidson's CRM um, and isolate the characteristics of high-value past customers. So basically, like, who were the people that bought Harley-Davidson's in the past? And then how could they get the right creative in front of people that were like them? So they use the AI to find lookalike um, potential customers that seemed like the same patterns and characteristics of people who'd already bought Harley Davidsons. Um, so while the the artificial intelligence didn't really create personas per se, 
they experimented and optimized to find like real customers in the real world and that's kind of like how they paired up the these are what these people kind of did before they bought mm-hmm. then applied that learning to all of their kind of digital channels to like reach out and, and get them the right creative and then just like kept ratcheting up until they found the right people did so did they create this bot specifically for this campaign or or is albert like can anybody or any brand essentially? Yeah, Albert's like a like a, a company's uh, marketing um, AI tool that you can use to to plug into things, and then it'll learn things. And the best the the, the people from Harley Davidson were really cool because they're like, he Albert works all night, doesn't yeah. sleep. He just like <laughs> continues to work and find the the right people and and pairs up the creative and stuff. So th- my only takeaway was like we talk about AI all the time. Yeah. We talk about like you know some of the machine learning type of things, but this seemed like a real practical way about pairing up the right target audience with things that you know about your customers already and then trying to replicate past wins. Is there, did you read about if there's plans to like roll this out beyond, was it in New York that they did it? I think with the, or, su- sorry, yeah. with the success, I think th- yeah. that was implied in the article that they were going to continue using it. I wonder if that, if that changes the scale of things. I mean, obviously it changes the scale, but I wonder if that changes the way the algorithm works because you're, get, you're, you're trying to, you're not casting a much wider net, which then opens up the possibility of different types of users. Yeah. S- yeah. Smart of Albert though. Yeah, we should we should, uh, we should take that guy out for a drink. We should, <laughs> we should invite Albert to the next podcast. Yeah, but uh, that I picked that deliberately to impress Sandy, so that he would think um, that we weren't just talking about snacks and doomsday preppers. <laughs> Were you impressed, Sandy? Impressed? Uh, yeah, my mind is eased. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll link that up in all of our other little treats. Uh, shout out website. to uh, shout out to our Ivana. Uh, our intern who actually came up with this topic. Yes. Wow. I thought you were going to say sponsor, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> this episode <laughs> sponsored by Ivana. <laughs> She's been in your midst this whole time. You didn't even know. <laughs> It'd be cool. I mean, human Ivana is really cool, but it sounds like we could have our own like AI named Ivana that did all of our like automation of the podcast for us. Are you oh, really he- pitching to turn a human being into a robot <laughs> just to come up with podcast topics? I, I thought the reveal is that she was going to be a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Hello, Nick. <laughs> oh, how boring. She's actually still a human. <laughs> We're so low tech. <laughs> yeah. Still thankful to her, but just a human. Yeah, <laughs> just a human. Commander, what are you? An android. Which is? Webster's 24th Century Dictionary, 5th edition, defines an android as an automaton made to resemble a human being. And now for Jackson's final thoughts. Social influencer marketing is continuing to grow in popularity, but is it here to stay? Although it's easy to get excited about a growing platform and the potential influencers present for digital marketing, it's important to look at both the pros and the cons. As more brands look to influencers to reach their audiences and sell their products, there are some potential downsides to consider. For starters, choosing an influencer can be tricky. Brands are essentially looking for somebody who is going to speak on their behalf. Finding someone who has a big enough following and the right kind of followers, the audience you were trying to target, is just the first step. 
Then you have to consider how the influencer's story matches with your brands. What's the tone, values, beliefs that you want them to communicate? Perhaps the more important question is, what don't you want them to do or say? That's probably the main problem. Anyone can say anything at any time. Influencer marketing can either send your brand image skyrocketing or waste time, money, and even ruin your reputation. One wrong step by your chosen influencer, a controversial post, or some dirt dug up on them from their past can send your brand spiraling backward, resulting in a loss of customers and revenue. One example is when Disney had to quickly distance themselves and end their partnership with PewDiePie, a YouTuber with over 50 million subscribers, when a controversy concerning him and anti-Semitic content occurred. Yikes. Perhaps quality is more important than quantity. Then there are the guidelines the FTC has been piling on. For example, influencers are legally required to state the content of theirs has been paid for by a brand. This means a company could face some serious repercussions if the influencer isn't explicit about which of their posts are a hashtag ad. Lastly, influencer marketing can be pricey. Investing in a social media star to do the talking for you is taking a risk spending money with the chance that the results won't meet expectations. Overall, brands should weigh both the opportunities and the threats before jumping onto the influencer bandwagon. Is using a social influencer the best solution to the creative problem you're trying to solve? Does it make sense for your strategy? Or are you just looking to do what everyone else is doing, vying for some screen time in the brave new social media world? Thanks for listening to Version Control, episode 27, The Complex World of Social Media Influencers. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes.